Hello, friends, and welcome to the Midpacker Pod, part of the Free Trail Network of Podcasts. I am your host, Troy Meadows, and I am stoked to bring you informative and relatable content from people just like you, everyday runners pushing their boundaries and doing extraordinary things on and off the trails. Today on the show, I am talking with Michael Lafler. And it is my pleasure to bring you this conversation. Michael is a father, husband, psychotherapist, and trail and ultra runner. We tease out some actionable tips that Michael has for fellow trail runners looking to find balance with and have clear communications and expectations with the people in their lives and their relationship with running. We also discuss some of the things he does personally to get in his training and show up for his family. We talk about the triple he just completed at the Mammoth Trail Fest and some of the work that he has done with the trail community around that event. And we also talk about the Suffer Fest that he endured at this year's Canyon 100K, where Tim's topped out at 105 degrees and the event ended up with a 50% plus DNF rate. I really enjoyed this convo and Michael's willingness to talk through the work he does with athletes and provide some actionable insights into how we can better show up for ourselves and our friends and family as we navigate the demands of being an athlete. Hopefully, you find as much value in this conversation as I did. Before we get to the show, please, if you have not already, stop what you're doing right now and do me a favor, go leave us a rating review wherever you get your pods. This is the single easiest thing you can do as a listener to support the pod. It only takes a minute or two, and I would really appreciate it. Please, only five-star reviews, as that's what I'm looking for here. If you have issues with the pod and don't like the content, you can reach out to me directly via the Midpacker Pod Instagram. All kidding aside, thanks for your support. Also, the Midpacker Pod now has a Patreon account. I do all the things here from recording, editing, and guest outreach. So if you want to support the pod directly, hey, it's just a buck. You can find a link in the show notes. Okay, enough of the please do's. Now let's get to my conversation with Michael Loeffler. All right, friends, welcome back to the Midpacker Pod. I'm here with an actually really good friend of mine, Michael Loeffler. Michael, how are you doing today, brother? I'm good, Troy. I'm happy to be on your show, my friend. Good to see you as yeah. well. Yeah, good to see you too, brother, and great to great to great to have you on the pod. Um, we're gonna get into some of the cool stuff that you've done from a running standpoint. I definitely wanna wanna wax eloquently with you um about your vocation uh and, and the things that you're doing to help runners and, and couples just kind of manage uh the stress of life. Um but before we get into that, uh Mr. Leffler, like who is who is Michael Leffler? <laughs> Boy, you know, I'm, I think it's always a becoming thing, right? I mean, we're always, uh, we're never 100. quite static. Um, no. But, you know, I, I guess I could sort of say as I grew, I grew up in South Jersey, uh, and um, that's a very important distinction between North Jersey and South Jersey, by the way. But yeah, uh, yes, nonetheless, I moved out to California in 2007 to go to grad school. Uh, at the California Institute of Integral Studies. And so uh, I've been out in the West Coast since 07. Uh, I've been married since uh, 2009. I have two kids, nine and five years old. And I'm a, I'm a practicing psychotherapist in Petaluma, California, which is about, as you well know, 35 miles north of San Francisco. So that's the short, the short aspect of who I am. Yeah. And, and for the listeners, if they don't know, um, you know, 
we weren't necessarily neighbors, but we lived in the same town for some time. We shared we shared a couple of runs before I made the trek back to to the East Coast. But yeah, Petaluma is a is a is a city is a is a town because it's definitely not a city, but it's a town yeah. uh, I know very well. So um, yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in, envious of your surroundings, man. I love Petaluma. It's an awesome place. So yeah, we got some access here. There's places we can get to. We can get to some hills. We can get to some relatively small mountains, but mountains nonetheless. Yeah. Yeah, shout outs to Helen Putnam, a little local lo- local place that I definitely did a lot of laps on. And then, you know, you, your access to Point Reyes and the headlands is 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 still pretty good. Within 25 minutes, 30 minutes, you can be at some pretty epic trailheads. So Yes, amen to that. Yeah. Yeah, man. So let's get into let's get into your introduction to the trails. So, you know, what you know, I know you as a trail runner, but at the same sure. time I imagine you, you weren't always you you weren't always that. So, you know, Tell us about your journey that that got you into and a part of the trail running community. Sure. Well, I mean, I've always been an athlete. So, you know, I was your typical uh, ball athlete through high school, played baseball, played soccer. Uh, but my main sport was wrestling, actually, in high school. That actually led me to wrestle at the Division One level uh, in college. So I was quite the meathead uh, for some time there. Uh, in my university days. So being active and being physically uh, fit was always a a big piece of who I was. Um, But like most things, you know, like it doesn't complete the whole picture. And so I had to try to round myself out. I studied philosophy uh, in undergrad, and then I studied um, sort of an integral counseling psychology, which is like an integration of psyche and spirit in grad school which I think kind of rounded me out. But then I was neglecting my body again. So I figured, what can I do to take care of myself that requires the least amount of prep time? Well, it was lacing up shoes at my door and just started going for runs. And that happened maybe a a year or so before the pandemic. And I had a little trail called the Lynch Creek Trail outside my door. And I just kept running trail after trail. And before I knew it, I was like, man, there's something different about this versus running on a track or the road. Typical story, right? And it just, it just hooked me in quick. Yeah, no, that's, uh, that's, that's awesome. And it's, it's not your, it's not your traditional like road running to the trails. It kind of was more of a, um, like more of that classic, like, man, I got to do something about the fact that I've been a brainiac going to college yeah. and doing all of the things and being super hyper-focused on one aspect of my life. And here I am right. look maybe looking down and saying, Oh, we got to make some changes. Right. Uh, <laughs> and that's cool. And it just so happened that you had trails close. Right. And then, and then yes. that basically just turned into, and so that, so from that you got into trail running, but like, what was, what was it that you found? What was the spark that got you into, you know, trail and ultra running? I would say there was a certain moment It was the weirdest thing that happened, right? I was in Annadale State Park in Santa Rosa. And I was shout out. Shout out Annadale. I was great. I was coming up up this sort of trail and like some some sort of spiritual experience happened to me where I I didn't feel like I was running alone and I had like chills kind of flush over my body. Mm. And the weirdest thing happened to my watch, it said, get ready for a surprise. I I swear to God, this is a true story. 
I looked at my garment and said, get ready for a surprise. And I came into this huge open valley with flowers that were blossoming. And I don't know if I was in some like delusional state of mind or if there was some weird Strava segment that kind of popped up on my phone. I don't know what it was, but it, it all came together and synchronized in this way where I was just flushed with chills. I felt like I could run for the rest of my life. And I thought, this is it. I feel alive. I am in nature. I am moving my body. I was so profoundly moved by it. And to this day, every time I run past that section of trail, I always kind of like look around wondering, is that feeling still here? Am I still feeling it? And, and it, awesome. the answer, it, is that answer still yes? Absolutely. Yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, That's absolutely. what's up. That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, so do you, so D one, so D one wrestler to trail runner. Uh, <laughs> yeah. V, yeah. That's really cool, man. Uh, so, you know, you mentioned, you know, your work as a psychotherapist and I definitely want to, I want to, I want to, I want to say pry a little bit there, but, you know, I think something, something that trail runners and ultra runners do a lot is, is, you know, we become these like type A people when it comes to the trails and it, it can mean that we neglect other aspects of our lives. Um, I know I'm definitely, uh, I can be said to be blamed for doing that. Uh, I think if you're training for a hundred miler and more than 100 miler in a year, you're definitely going to have to prioritize running over, over, over other aspects of your life. And, you know, in your practice, you know, I would love to unpack, you know, what are some actionable steps that, that maybe the audience can take and what are some of the things that learnings that you have, you know, obviously without going into, in, into any details with the patients, like sure. that you see come up, um, you know, time and time again with your, uh, trail running and ultra running uh, clientele? Yeah. I, I think the biggest thing that I, I tend to see folks wrestle with is the denial of the reality of the training, like what's involved. Mm. So what yeah. I mean by that would be like, um, so say you have like a six hour run or something like that and you come home and your partner is like, you look tired, sweetie. You know, you look like you're, you look worn out. And you, what you say is, no, I'm good. I'm fine. I got plenty of energy. Although inside... You, you might be crushed, you know? Yeah, you're spent. Yeah. You're spent. It's better to it's better to own that with your partner and say, Yeah, I'm I'm really tired. This training is a lot. And by extension, I'm really grateful that you support me to do that. Mm. Versus trying to deny what you're doing and just stuff it down. I think the temptation is to minimize it and like it's the sort of I'm good man, I'm all right, I got this yeah. attitude gets you in trouble with your partner. Yeah. Now I know I know that all too well, and I I know you know in general, um, I've come to learn that you better be ready to show up, and that's kind of you know with me I have a seventeen month old, so like if I can't just go bury myself on a training run anymore, like if I go long and deep, I need to have there needs to be open communication the night before, yeah. and maybe even days leading up to it going this is what's on my calendar, obviously, like maybe even months, you know, there's got to be those, those, those big picture conversations, but it's like, Hey, this is going to be a really, really, really bad weekend for me and for yeah. us. And I'm going to be just completely, I'm going to cook myself. And I need you to know that because the hardest part I've, and I found is like, it's not like resentment, but like there is resentment there when like they, you know, you go spend seven hours running and there's an expectation that you're going to be able to like, show up and when you show up and you're you're i don't know a shadow of yourself 
Um, right. and you haven't had that communication, you know, there's a big letdown. And I think that's, you know, something that, you, that you're definitely touching on and being able to push that back, not push that back, but twist, turn that and say, like, I really appreciate that you're willing to let me do this. Like that, even just saying the act of saying that I imagine is a huge relief or, or reprise for that individual that's got to deal with the fact that, you know, they're basically taking care of two kids this weekend, you know? So Exactly. It's sort of, it's sort of owning the reality. And I think when you also begin to own that reality for yourself, what you can do is you can prep ahead of time. You know, you can think about, well, uh, I'm going to be on the trail most of Saturday. So let, let's think of some things I can do to set up play dates with the kids or help out a little more around the house. There has to be a give and take. And I think if you don't own that piece, there isn't a give and take. It's a denial. And you're actually denying your own training. You're denying your own ability to be taken care of by your partner because sometimes you need to be taken care of. You need to be helped out. It's hard work. Yeah. Yeah, no, totally. I, I, I feel that I am still feeling, <laughs> feeling yeah. that right now. Yes, um, yeah. The audience. So just so the audience knows, I decided to do the smart thing and book three recordings the week after I ran grindstone and, uh, my, my, my recorder and Michael is number three of, of, of the week. Um, and I'm, you know, I can say I'm physically in a decent place, but mentally I'm, I'm, I'm still a little wrecked from the race. So, uh, the audience will have to bear with me. I know this will come out a couple of weeks after grindstone, but I do want to preface that for the audience and preface that, uh, with, with you, Michael, like if, if, if I'm just not a hundred percent here, man, you may need to pick up the reins a little bit. So I'm, I'm, uh, <laughs> I'm, ca- I'm counting on you, brother. So that's fine. You know, I, my job is to listen for a living, but when I have a chance to talk, I'm happy to talk. Awesome. Yeah, man. So, and like getting into kind of your practice, do you, do you find that, you know, because you are a trail runner and because, you know, you, you've done a lot of things in the community and I, I want to touch on some of that stuff, but, um, you know, do you find that your practice is, do you find like you have more trail runners in your practice now than, than you did say like three or four years ago? Oh, hundred percent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, d- I definitely do. And I, I, actually, and, I actually like that change in sort of metamorphosis of my practice too. Yeah, that's really cool. And I love do you feel, <laughs> Yeah, we're 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 an interesting breed, that's for sure. I, I'm sure we keep you busy. <laughs> oh yeah, oh yeah, oh for sure, for sure. Um, and besides that, you know, besides that communication piece and and like owning that, right? Like you mentioned before, like don't downgrade the fact that you need help. Like, and I think that's a hard thing too, is like, you know, you're, you're kind of admitting that you need help in that situation. Like what are some of the other things that you find, um, is pretty consistent across the board with, with your trail running patients? Um, well, I think the other thing, or the trail runners in your practice, excuse me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, I would say, I think recovery is a big piece. The importance of recovery versus sort of like chronically overtraining. Mm. You know, we're, you know, we're always trying to find another angle on things, especially when we should be tapering or when, when it is a recovery day. I, I think the mindset that a lot of ultra runners tend to have is, is just to keep pushing themselves. And like, that's, that's a strength. I mean, that's an amazing strength to have. Uh, but there has to be times when you understand the cadence of recovery. And I, I think that can sometimes uh, be overwrought or um, overdone or neglected uh, in the sake of just trying to add more and more sort of training to themselves. You know, I think the other thing is that, you know, we can be sometimes obsessive, right? We, I need to make sure I get six, six miles in today. 
And if I run five and a half, uh, I might try to tack on a half mile <laughs> a few days later. Sometimes we yeah. got to let stuff go. Yeah, it has to be six today. Has to be six. Yes, um, exactly. And and I think it's something you know a good coach like obviously you're a psychotherapist, but a good coach would would tell that athlete you know that half that half mile just comes out in the wash at the end of the day. You know, yeah. like there's no difference in the adaptation that your body just received from running five and a half miles versus six miles, depending on like the yeah. effort that you put into it. Hundred um, percent. Yeah. Yeah, man. That's really cool. And I appreciate you taking a little bit of time um, to kind of talk through some of those topics. Is there anything else on, on this vein that, that, that you'd like to mention before um, before we move on to, to some of the fun stuff that you've done and some of the content that you've put out into the world for uh, for us trail runners? Well, I, I think one another thing that I think is important is sometimes people feel that, oh, the only reason you got into trail and ultra running is because there's something wrong with you. Mm. You know, you're running away from your problems. Running away, yeah. And I, I don't, I don't always think that's true. I mean, it, it can happen, but a lot of times we find ourselves when we're in those edges. Like we're really trying to seek ourselves and understand who we are. And you know, we have tough egos. Our mind is strong, and sometimes in order for the mind to have a breakthrough, you have to crack the mind a little bit. And I, I think that's sort of one of the things about athletes in this sport is that. We're trying to find that edge because we're tough. And sometimes you have to break down. Like I've found on some of my biggest runs, when I broke down and started to feel things, that's what I was looking for all along. And I don't know if I would have gotten to it had I not pushed myself into those areas of myself. Yeah, it's kind of using the physical to really unpack the the mental and the emotional, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah. No, it's easy to pathologize yeah. it and, and to say there's something wrong, but it's not always the case. Some of the most amazing people I've ever met in my life are, are ultra runners and trail runners. Yeah, you're not always running away from something. You could be running to something. Yeah. That's right. If you are not a Free Trail Pro member, you are missing out. I love the Free Trail community and have been a member from the beginning. We all love trail culture. I would guess that you love trail races because the community around this amazing sport is second to none. Well, that's how I feel about the Free Trail community. With the Free Trail Pro subscription, you can bring the trail running community you love everywhere you go. You get access to the Free Trail Slack community, training plans, weekly office hours that feature special guests, exclusive member-only content, early access to merch drops, and so much more. From training and gear questions to getting inspiration from the epic adventures and races that members are doing, the Free Trail community is the place to be. Start your free trial today at freetrail.com. After that, it's only $96 a year for membership. If you are a fan of what Free Trail is doing for our sport, that is a small price to pay to support some of the best written, visual, and audio content in trail and ultra running. I hope to see you in the Free Trail Slack community. And when you introduce yourself, mention the Midpacker Pod. One thing I want to touch on, and you know, we're going to get to, to to this year's Mammoth Trail Fest, but I think something that I thought was really cool, um, and we actually made uh, we made a connection through uh, through last year's Mammoth Trail Fest. So you you hosted a you you hosted a panel on mental health at uh, last year's Mammoth Trail Festival, um, and I'd love you to kind of, I'd love for you to kind of talk through that. I had a lot of um, uh, there was a lot of really cool responses in the free show community from it. And a lot of uh, right. people that just said that they, they really appreciated, you know, you 
stepping up and really like bringing that to the table for the community. And, and, you know, Mammoth Trail Fest has now kind of become like, I don't want to say end of the year celebration because there's still like a couple months left in the year, but it definitely right. has kind of turned into that pinnacle for the end of the year for the sport. And, you know, to really be able to like open up that conversation um, with the community and, and with the round table of athletes is really cool. I don't know if you want to kind of start with like the who, the what, the where, and then, and then the topics that you guys discussed at the, at the panel. Yeah. Well, you know, Adam Campbell was there, um, Katie Asmuth and, uh, Sophia. She was, uh, she was a local mammoth, uh, trail runner as well. And so there were four of us on the panel. Um, but I, I think like, if you think about the origin of it, I think really a lot of it goes, goes back to Tim Tolfson and his sort of his vision mm. about, um, taking care of the self. And I didn't know everything that, you know, he obviously has opened up a lot since last year about his own sort of struggles and what yeah, he's been totally. through as an athlete. He's an incredible man. And, you know, the thing that I think sort of stood out to me was when I, I first started talking to him about having this panel, I got the sense that, that he was a little bit different in terms of what he was looking for in the vision of, of the Mammoth Trail Festival and the way he held it and the importance he had around mental health, I thought was, was pretty paramount. And I think set the stage really, uh, for how the conversation was going to go. So I, I have to, you know, kind of give him credit, uh, on sort of his vision on making that happen. Uh, that being said, the panel was about, you know, an hour long. I had just run, uh, 26 K and I had you know, burn the house down on the backside of the mountain. <laughs> I was like, I remember I, I was just getting out of the shower, cleaning up, and Tim's call, Tim calls me on the phone. He's like, Mike, where are you? I said, I just got out of the shower. He's like, we got Mike check in 10 minutes. So I had to get all my gear on, you know, my clothes, and then run out the door uh, to sort of host this conversation with incredible athletes, right? And I'm smoked. I'm smoked completely from a 26K crusher. And uh, I was able to pull it off somehow. And I think it was because Katie was amazing uh, up there. The yeah. question, she, she understood about what it meant to go through something difficult with her own injuries that she's had. You know, and obviously with Adam, you know, he's, he, he lost somebody to an avalanche in his life. You talk about a guy yeah. who has lost something in his life. Uh, Adam knows that story. So, you know, I was fortunate just to just to be able to sit with them and hold the space for them and let them do the talking. And it went real well, what they had to say. Yeah, man. It's always nice when you can just, uh, let's say like hold the mic and get out of the way. You know, I try to do that. I I find myself talking a little too much on my pod and I need to get better at just, uh, you know, like hold the, hold the space and, and, and let the magic happen. So, yeah. Yeah. And, and, you know, one thing that came out of it for us is, you know, you ended up introducing me to Sophie um, through like text message. I remember getting a text message, text message from you and being like, Hey, I got a friend that, that, that needs a pacer for a hundred miler. They're running in North Carolina. And I'm like, I'm, I'm your man, you know, like, and then, so you, you introduced us and, you know, I drove out middle of the night down to, uh, Crowley's, which is like a 
45 hour drive for me. And, um, you know, unfortunately for Sophia, she had turned her ankle pretty bad and had to hobble oh, yeah. in at the 50, the 50 mile mark. And we didn't yes. end up uh, pacing each other, but she was like, so grateful. She's like, I can't believe you're, you're here. Like, thank you so much. And like, we had a, like a, a long conversation about like, Hey, like, I just don't think today's your day to finish this race. And she's like, I totally agree. And, um, you know, she was super grateful that like someone, some complete, a complete stranger would just like show up for her like that. And I'm just like, what do yeah. you mean? Like, yeah. I would, you know, I would have done this in a heartbeat. Like I, I was stoked to run it. And she's like, I'm sorry, you didn't get a chance to pace me. And like, it's totally okay. This is, this is how it goes. Um, and then yeah. she turned around and I think like a month later finished her first hundred miler and, and, and crushed it. So, gotcha. um, yeah. And it was really cool to get to meet her, get to meet her family. Her family lived, uh, lived like not that far away from, from where I was living in Asheville at the time. Um, and it was just cool way, like, to experience the community and then get introduced to a new community. Cause that race, uh, that race is difficult and hard and, uh, I don't know mm -hmm. if I'll be running it anytime soon, but it definitely put it, you know, put that, that space for me on the map. And I definitely want to go check out, uh, you know, Crowler mountain now. So, um, yeah, yeah man, really cool. So I want to dive into this year's, uh, I want to talk about the hundred K at canyons at some point, but I think since sure. it's fresh, yeah, like you did the triple this year at, at a uh, mammoth trail fast. Right. So, yeah. yeah. So it's what the 26 K on Friday, the 50 K on Saturday, and then they call it the dragon's back, which is basically a VK, um, yeah. on yeah. Sunday. Um, yeah. and I believe you did okay in your age group, but like, let's, let's talk through that, man. Like I've never done a, excuse me. I've never done a three day. Uh, what was it like to, wake up Saturday morning and know you had to run a 50 K after, you know, it's not a, it's, it's definitely, I wouldn't call it a graduate course, but it's definitely not a easy, easy course no. at altitude over there in mammoth. I love that area. So, uh, talk the audience through, you know, the, the, the trail fest, the course and, and just kind of what it, what it was like for you to have to deal with the, the back to back to back nature of, of doing the triple there. Yeah, I think that's the operative question. I mean, you well know, too, like every day you're at, at altitude, uh, the more trouble you get into, right? Yeah. The blood oxygen level sort of starts to drop. And I, I, when I woke up that morning, the first thing I thought was, well, I hope I didn't blow it out too much on the 26K the day before. I mean, it was a competitive field, and it's not like I'm competing with the elites, but you can feel the energy of, of what people are trying to do there. There was sort of a, a palpable sure. energy of like, let's just go for it today. So I had to really rein myself in on the 26K and just sort of pace myself. And that night, I didn't sleep at all. I had like four hours of sleep at altitude. I tried everything from tart cherry extract to L-theanine to hydrating myself to meditating. Nothing worked. And I'm just laying there thinking, well, uh, I'm just going to have to get up and run this thing. And what actually set me free most of all was that morning. I, I just said, I don't really feel like running today. And it took a lot of pressure off of myself. It's like, mm. I don't want, I don't want to run. I don't want to race. And I, I knew that I would, but in the moment at the start, I had to tell myself, be okay with what I was feeling in that moment, knowing very well that it would change. So um, the odd thing about, about it was actually when I peaked on the 26K the day before on Friday, some guy came up to me and started saying things to me. I didn't recognize who he was. And I was like, who's this crazy guy cheering me on? 
it turned out to be a friend I hadn't seen in 15 years that I grew up with. Mm. And he, he was so happy to see me that in the middle of the race, he's sobbing as I'm hugging him in the middle of the race saying he's so happy to see me. I'm like, what the hell are you doing here? He's like, well, I came here to cheer you on. So I had this like energy in me, you know, inside this excitement to sort of push myself even more. Uh, and I did pretty well. I started off well in the 50K, paced myself well. However, on the Dragon's Ascent, within the 50K course, I got some serious altitude nausea. I had a hard time eating. I had a 40-minute mile at one point, which was just abysmally difficult to sort of endure. It was one of those moments where I was like, well, I guess the, I guess this three-day ultra is really starting right now at mile yeah. 19 on, on the side of Mammoth Mountain. <laughs> Yeah, it's pretty so, impressive. Yeah, man. Well, the forty-minute mile, dude. Those are tough, and I've been there. When 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 things aren't going right, they definitely go go wrong when it comes to your mile, your pacing splits. That's for sure. Oh, um, oh. And then, so I mean, you managed to you managed to suffer through it, you know. And I think that the hard part about the altitude thing is it's it's hard for a minute, but then, I mean, like I I was telling myself a lot this weekend, you know, it it can get easier, you know, yeah. and and it looks like it looks like it it it, it finally it, you know finally cleared cleared for you. You're able to finish the 50k, um, yeah. Yeah. you know. And then you got to wake up the next day, right? And you got to run. Um, it's not. I don't think it's a true VK. But what 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 is the uh, what are the stats on the Dragon's Back uh, ascent on Sunday? Twenty six hundred and two point seven five. I want to say. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it's a little short, but it's still it's about on uh, if you could extend that 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 line it's basically a vk it's just yeah. not the same it's not the same distance as far as uh you don't gain as much altitude but you don't run as much distance either so exactly i think the ba- it ends up balancing out but um yeah by the time i got to the third day my my ego had been just sort of annihilated and so mm. I, I had i had no nerves whatsoever and all i thought to myself was just get ahead of the get ahead of the pack a little bit and um just try to get in front of the conga line and then just just press it to the metal on the, all the way up. That was sort of the game plan for that. Yeah, it went it went okay. You felt like uh, like how sore were the legs when you woke up that morning? Third day, I felt better. Second day, okay. I, the sec, before the fifty k, I was struggling. Thir, third yeah. day, I was just sort of ground down to a fine powder. There wasn't much left of me, and all I knew was well, just keep packing the carbs in and you know stock up with the fluids and the salts and just hit it hard as you can yeah. i felt great yeah, and yeah that's what's up and i'm so yeah i think the only t- i don't have a lot of fomo on the west coast for the west coast these days but man when you know i spent a lot of time in mammoth um i know the hot there's like a half a dozen hot springs out there that i know really well um i've done a lot of really good fishing uh, a lot of amazing mm-hmm. fly fishing out there uh, i love the east side of the sierras um you know i've done multiple week-long trips out there and i will say like when I heard that Tim was doing the Mammoth Trail Fest, I was like, of course, they're going to do the Mammoth Trail Fest, Mammoth Trail Fest, the year that I leave California. Great. <laughs> awesome. You know, like this is where I wanted, this is definitely where I, I wanted, I, it's where I wanted to be. Um, it's where I wanted to be. Uh, it's not necessarily where I wanted to be last weekend because I knew I had Grindstone coming up and I definitely right. wanted to be there. But, um, you know, just like that whole, you know, the whole Sierra community, the Nevada community, the the Tahoe community, all of them come down and, and, and descend on Mammoth. And then like the SoCal community comes up and 
Um, you know, I had a really good friend of mine, uh, old, uh, longtime training partner, Chris Reyes. He ran the double. He did the 26 oh, yeah. K in the 50 ran, in the 50 K. I ran a little bit. Yeah. It's first time I met him. We actually, yeah. He, he, each other he, in the beginning. Yeah. Yeah. He's an interesting cat dude. And, uh, I, I'm just happy that he's like consist back to consistently running. He took a little bit of time off from running for a little bit and he's back at it. And, uh, you know, him and I have done a lot of like really fun things together when we lived in Sonoma County. Um, but yeah, man, just like the culmination of the, the community. It's interesting. Cause you know, you kind of have broken arrow as like this summer piece right. that the California community really shows up for. And then you have, now you have mammoth trail fest is that kind of end of the end of the summer into the fall piece. And it, it's kind of nice to be able, I don't want to say bookend, but like, you know, early June is, is getting into it, but it, you know, it's just kind of nice to have the, those two three day events that are like festival atmosphere in like iconic places to go run trails at amazing venues that can really support uh the community in 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 a real way so yeah that's really cool yeah it's a special it's a special ending i mean i find too like ending this late in september you, you sort of feel like you don't have to put too much else on the calendar before before the spring, you know, it gives you a nice, <laughs> nice closure a little bit for yourself. Yeah, I feel that. I'm, I'm, I'm with you 100. Uh, <laughs> I am looking forward to doing a whole lot of nothing for the next couple of months. That being said, I did, I put myself on the wait list for this race called the Shut In that I ran last year. It's 18 miles with like 5,000 feet of climbing in the Blue Ridge in, in Western oh, North wow. Carolina. It's 22 miles this year. I don't know what the vertical gain is. Um, but there was like 50 people ahead of me on the wait list. And I got an email like the week before grindstone. I signed up for this thing like three weeks ago. I was like definitely way late to get in the lottery. And this is a, they've ran this race for like 40 years or something. It's like a long standing race. And there's people that go back year and year, year over year over year. Um, and I guess I got into the race. So it looks like I'm gonna have to run like a hard 20 miler here in the neck and some, and they run it sometime in November. So I get like six weeks and then it's, you know, do something hard and fun, but at least it's only going to, you know, it's only gonna take me like four, four ish hours to get it done. So, yeah, I like, I kind of like that whole sub ultra movement that's starting. I mean, I, I know it's been around, but like having your eye on it more, it's a lot of fun, you know, like you, you just bang it out for a four, four hard hours and you're kind of done by the morning. It's yeah. Pretty- or less. Yeah, no, for sure. And I think it's a good way to kind of keep things sharp. And I think that's something that like, uh, once you really get deep into ultra training, you kind of lose the sharpness, you know, yep. like if you had any kind of speed before you start training for hundreds, like you kind of lose quite a bit of it, um, yeah, training yeah. for hundreds. So, yes. um, yeah, it's nice to see like the resurgence of just trail races. And I think it just makes the sport that much more approachable for everybody. Cause like you can wrap your head around a 10 mile race, you know, you can wrap your head around a 20 K like you can wrap your head around right. those distances. Um, and even if it's a really hard course, it's like, okay, like it's just, it's just 10 miles, you know, let's just go get it done. You know? Exactly. So. Yeah. It's pretty sweet. I think it's, it'll take off more and more. I, I hope someday they have like a VK as an Olympic event. It'd be so rad to see, you know, see Remy well, Bob, you know, climbing real hard and doing something in 33 minutes or something insane like that. <laughs> yeah. And it's, it's funny you mentioned that and like, we're going to tangent here for just a second, but I think that is the event. Like, I think, you know, the mountain classic, the mountain, uh, the, the mountain trail running classics they just did where you have the classic up down, you have the up, um, you know, I think that VK event, I think that seven mile up down, um, yeah. seven ish mile up down. I think that those are the kind of things that the Olympics can take and run with. Cause like, I just don't think 
you're going to ever see the long event. I don't think you're going to see the 50 mile event covered in the Olympics. Cause it's just like yeah. such a long thing yeah. for them to have to like wrap, um, you know, a footage footage around like wrap a camera crew around. So yeah, I, I agree. I think it's, I yeah. think there'll be some potential there. Maybe you can run um, someday, Troy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Good luck. Maybe as a, maybe I win the like raffle that allows me to run the course on the Olympic day, the day that the, the day after or the day before as like, you know, letting normal people get out there on the course situation. <laughs> but, uh, yeah. Um, I think something that's really cool in Europe and, uh, they do like these double VKs and it's like a big thing there that you just go run, you know, it's like 7,000 feet seven miles and you're like okay uh, let's go get it done yeah, and you're just like it's uh, done so tasty <laughs> yeah <laughs> you mean the the taste of copper in your mouth is like exactly. basically what you'd be tasting the whole time so uh taste of pennies tasting uh -huh. pennies on a double vk um yeah man so i want to talk about canyons i know that was an epic day for everybody and i actually talked yeah. to someone who ran the 100 miler this year and he was telling me how there was like you know, right around, if not over a 50% attrition rate. But before we get into that, um, yeah. you wrote this really cool article for free trail. Um, and it was right after, I think it was right after, uh, the first mammoth trail fest, but yes. you know, the trail runner's guide to midlife. And I think this is, is very poignant, uh, not just for my demographic on the pod, but just like for the ultra runner demographic in general. Cause I think most, um, I think a lot of trail runner, I think if you run trails, you can be a part of that younger dem demographic, but you know, if you are stepping into that, that ultra space, I think, you know, the vast majority of ultra runners at this point are like in that 35 to 55 age demographic. And, um, it's really interesting talking. It's a really interesting title, but also talking piece for the article. Um, and we'll link to it to the show in the show notes, but you want to give us like, um, you know, the crib notes, so to speak, or like the, the shorthand yeah. of, uh, of, of um of what you were really on about when you were thinking about writing that article yeah i i mean i i think of course whenever i write an article it's a it's a reflection of of where i am in my own life right uh but i i think the thing that i wrestle with and i'm sure a lot of folks do at midlife is that you know you're not always necessarily running those sub six miles right yeah and you know your capacity to perform begins to shift. Uh, but at the same time as your capacity to perform begins to shift, uh, something else begins to change. You start to develop more discipline and you start to become more creative and you, and you begin to understand the ways that in your youth that maybe you didn't have that discipline that you can now apply to yourself later in life and actually compete with people who are younger who maybe don't quite have that discipline anymore. So the point I was mm. trying to get at is that just because you're hitting midlife doesn't mean you can't compete. And in, in fact, mm. sometimes you can do pretty damn well and, and yeah. do better. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, that's cool. And there's a lot of uh, there's a lot of athletes out there that 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 fit that mold, you know, that are still just doing amazing things into their 40s and 50s. And yeah. Yeah, and like make in and really you know stepping up with the younger generation and showing them kind of how it's done um that being said i think the younger generation is starting to really gravitate to you know running trails and and going long as far as the distance goes and so it's it's going to be interesting in the next couple of years to see um that maturity that happens because i think the learning curve is really steep 
when when you come into yeah. the sport i think you have to learn a lot in a, in a short amount of time and the the individuals who are willing to like really be students um and really study hard uh usually come out the other end like mm, furious fast and furious uh after just a short period of time when it comes down to like really nailing that execution piece so well i think that's where that's where the mentor comes into it mm. the, I know, yeah. I know some brands uh, do that for athletes. They pair them up with mentors, and a lot can be learned. I think the other thing is is that when you go through midlife, you begin to have a little more meaning to what you're doing. Like it, it, you start to realize that when you're running this race. So, for instance, when I you know finish my race at Mammoth, when I'm up there, I'm I'm really taking it in. I'm taking in what my body was able to do at this point in my life with a career and with children, the fact that I can still do that, I have the utmost gratitude for it that I wouldn't have had if I was 25. Yeah. And it's, yeah, it becomes more sacred. So midlife is as scary as it can sometimes be for people. It's an opportunity to have more gratitude about what you're doing. Yeah. Well, and you kind of have a little bit more, the, that perspective is really real too. Cause you look at, you know, you, you, you mentioned gratitude, but you, you're grateful for just the fact that you have a body that can do those things as opposed to like, you know, when you're 22, you just take for granted the fact that like, you can just destroy yourself every single night and every single day and you just bounce back. Like it's no big deal. Um, you know, and as someone who's in his mid forties, like I, I got to do all the things, man. If I'm not doing all the things like little, I mean like the little things like the PT five days a week and the strength training twice a week and all those yeah. things, like it's hard for me to show up, uh, and, and be consistent and, and just not fall apart. Uh, and you know, I also will say like, if I don't get on the mat and, and, and like breathe deep for like 10 minutes a day, like it doesn't happen every day, but if I can't be consistent in that practice, like, you know, the mental, the mental game really f starts to fall apart too. And, um, yeah, man. It's like, well said though. Like as far as you really have gratitude for those moments that your body gives you. Oh man. I so much gratitude for it. And to know like where, where maybe where my life could have gone and, and you know, maybe I would have just had kind of a weekend. I'm sitting around watching football all day on a Sunday. I mean, not, not that there's anything wrong with that <laughs> from time to time, but to be able to be able to have just these sort of collect these experiences and stories you always get a good story when things go wrong, right? <laughs> and, you know, if you put yourself in enough situations where you work hard and things are going south, that's when you start collecting. You start collecting stories. And that's what we're – at least that's what I'm in for. I want to collect stories, have stories yeah. to share. Yeah, and it's when you have those low moments that you get to realize, like, what it takes to rise out of those moments and, and turn them into really good ones, you know? And it's all also sometimes – Sometimes if you're really good and you're in that space and you're having a really good a good day of gratitude, you can pull yourself out of the low moments and have the good moments on the same day. And sometimes you just have to suffer through the moment. And it's not it's like three days later, you're looking back at that going like, oh, that was such a valuable lesson to learn. And like, how am I going to take that into the next moment? You know, so that, that's exactly right. Yeah, you, yeah have, you have to you have to find the meaning in the suffering. Otherwise, it's just suffering. It's not fun. Yeah. Yeah. No. Uh, so a good friend of mine, I should just, I should pull it up. So I'm going to, re I'll read it on the pod because it's, uh, yeah. it's, it's good stuff, man. So a good friend of mine, uh, Matt Hoadley sent me this um, right before my race. Uh, 
And it's something that we've talked about on office hours before. And we've talked about like just in general, um, but it's the, it's the parable of, of the two arrows and it's like a Buddhist, it's like a Buddhist thing. Um, and it's the parable of the, of the, it's, it's called two arrows. And the parable of the second arrow is a Buddhist parable about dealing with suffering more skillfully. The Buddhist says that anytime we suffer misfortune, two arrows fly our way. Being struck by an arrow is painful. Being struck by a second arrow is even more painful. The Buddha explained, in life, we can't always control the first arrow. However, the second arrow is our reaction to the first. The second arrow is optional. And it kind of like that plays, I mean, it just, what we, what, yeah, you know, what we were just talking about, like plays into that. It's like, how do you deal with the suffering? Because um, it's not if it's when it's going to get hard and it's not about suffering, you know, like we like to say suffering is a gift. And it, a lot of that is just like the ability to say like, we're going to go into a deep place. Um, it's not always going to be a joyful, but we're going to come out of it like a, a having learned a lesson, right? And I think it's the way you deal with that time when you're in that moment that's really hard. Um, yes. th- that is, you know, whether or not you get struck by that second arrow, you know. And I think, um, you know, sometimes sometimes we let the second arrow hit us, and sometimes we don't, you know. And it's more, it's all about. Um, you know, finding that gratitude when you're in those moments, because I think that's where you can kind of, you know, basically dodge the second arrow for on, you know, for lack of a better metaphor. So, yeah, absolutely. I mean, you have to you have to reflect on you have to reflect on what you've been through in, in order to know that that second arrow is coming. You know, <laughs> like for a long for a long time, like so before I I moved to the West Coast, I was uh, practicing. Zen Buddhist in um, upstate New York, and I was nearly going to shave my my hair off and become a monk. And one of the things that I, I realized I wasn't ready for was that a lot of my meditation that I was doing was, I think, more of a reflection of that time in my life. But it basically was about how can I not have any thoughts, and any thought that w- would arise, I would push it aside. And I, I think what that was was creating a bit of a dissociation from my experience. And now, mm. to your point about the two arrows, now I'm re- I realize that I'm going to keep getting hit by arrows. And how, how can I understand what happened to me in order to see it coming for the second time? It's becoming more conscious of that you can't, you can't prevent bad things from happening. They happen, and you got to deal with them, and you have to have some grace as you go through it. Yeah, 100%, man. I totally agree with that. And I think that's a lesson that sometimes it takes some people their entire life to learn that lesson. And, um, I think, I think doing really hard things like running an ultra marathon or doing, you know, running a three day running festival. Uh, and I think those, those are the kind of, those, those experiences allow you to find that grace within the suffering. And I think that's, that's something that I think is really, it attracts people to, to our sport. Um, and then right. at the end of the day, that's where a lot of growth happens. And, you know, it's, it's all fun and games. Like I love commiserating with the community. I love, um, just like how the community gives back to the community in spades. Um, but then at the end of the day, you know, ultimately a lot of what I'm trying to do is just accomplish something that is unquestionably difficult and get to that place where, um, you know, you, you kind of tell yourself like, I don't want to do this anymore. And then you still find a way to keep putting one foot in front of the other. And like I said before, it it can get better. 
you know, and it usually does. So it can get worse, but it can get better. So <laughs> that's right. Yeah. It Speaking really does. Oh, go ahead. No, please. No, go ahead. I was just saying, like, it, it is always a teacher. You can, I, I can't, I always make a joke now when I'm running longer distances. It's like, how many times am I going to want to bail? I'll give myself five times when I want to bail. <laughs> and nice. it's like, no, you just stay with it. You can always get through it. It's, it's kind of funny how our mind, we can't always trust it. Are you looking to represent your love of the trails off the trails? then check out Run Trail Life, the casual apparel company that lets you show your love of trail and ultra running while giving back to protect the trails we love so much. RTLTs are 100% organic cotton or made from recycled water bottles, and $1 from every item purchased is donated to Runners for Public Lands, a not-for-profit dedicated to creating and maintaining trails on our public lands. I am super passionate about this company because I am the founder and solo entrepreneur behind it. That's right. From the website to the apparel designs, I created it all. So if you love the content on the pod, consider supporting me directly with a purchase. And if you use code MidpackerPod, I will double the donation from your purchase to Runners for Public Lands. I personally love the Ultra Runners Do It Longer tee and the RTL Logo Trucker, which has a sweet built-in headband making it perfect for your next long run. Visit runtraillife.com to check out our entire line of hats and tees. Thanks for your support. Speaking of probably wanting to bail, uh, I want to talk about um, your Canyons 100K experience because I've ran the race twice. Um, you know, you ran on what would be considered the hot course. Um, you yeah. never got into the foothills. That that course kind of meandered down in, in the Auburn area. You never really got up into altitude. Uh, and you guys had like unquestionably, unseasonably hot day. And uh, oh, I heard from people that you were doing chest x-rays on individuals. And some people were topping off at like 115 degrees, like wow. infrared pings on the chest, right? No and way. Wow. I know that, I know that there was, I know that there was, IVs that were uh, administered. I know that one gentleman yeah. was was airlifted off the course. Um, yes, I remember that. You know, I know that there was a fifty percent attrition rate. Um, you know, what was that experience like for you, man? Like, did you kind of get to how many times? You know, did you get close to the five, or how many times did you tell <laughs> yourself, uh, you know, I need to bail? So, yeah, dude, it was coming down. I know exactly where it was. I was bombing down Brown, going into Mammoth Bar, and it was around mile, I guess, 31 or so, and it was right at the peak heat of the day, mm. and um, I remember coming down the hill, people were just, I swear there was a tent of maybe 20-some people sitting on chairs, uh, all, all DNFing at that point, and I, I sat down in that in that section, not because I was... Well, I was thinking about dropping. I don't think I could go. I also smashed my toe, my big toe, like four times. Like it was just throbbing and absolute agony. And I sat down and I just remember just sitting there and thinking, okay, uh, I don't really want to do this. I don't know if I can do this. And I'm looking around seeing people dropping left and right. But there were, there were some athletes. I don't know who they were. They were just having conversations with people about sticking it out and staying with it. And yeah. they weren't having it with me, but I was listening to these other conversations. And it, something in me just began to shift, like, okay, let's just get back to the basics here. 
let's rest, let's change my socks, let's hydrate, let's check and make sure I'm eating enough, let's just slow down before I make any impulsive decisions, I'm going to be okay, um, let's just chill for a second. And like you said, it, it, it always changes, it always gets better. And before I knew it, you know, somebody had given me this hot, fresh case idea, and it just resurrected me from the dead. <laughs> I just mm, felt the so dilla. alive. Yes, it was so good. Um, but yeah, it was hard to see though. There were so many people uh, dropping left and right and just hiding behind bushes, um, just soaking in any sort of water source they could to recover. It was real carnage and, and mayhem out there uh, for the canyons that, that day. Um, yeah, and it was, it was, was kind. Yeah, it was kind of a perfect storm too, because you know the spring is usually pretty temperate, even in the foothills, and it had been um, relatively cool um, leading up to it. I mean, a lot of people were training either at higher altitudes or lower altitudes. I know if like you're in Sonoma County, like April's an amazing time to be running in Sonoma County. Like it's just perfect weather, right? And then on race day, you know, I think the temperatures topped out around 109, 110. Um, and you know, it just kind of, it turned into a scorcher, um, you know, leading up to that race, you know, I imagine you felt like you put in the work, um, were you doing any kind of heat acclimation to, to try to get ready or was it kind of like that, that temperature, th that heat wave just kind of crept up on you? Oh no, I, I was on it. I, I mean, I was going to heat train anyway, just cause of the benefits in terms of the fitness. And yeah. I, I spent, and as I, as I was doing the heat training, I started seeing people communicating, on some thread saying, oh, it looks like it's going to be hot at Canyons. And I thought to myself, I'm already into my fifth sauna day. I'm, I'm golden, man. Like it was an insurance policy that I, I took I took out. I'm glad. I'm glad I did big time. Yeah. You have to, I remember, you have, to have that yeah. insurance. And saunas yeah. suck. The fifth day is like the worst day. You're just like you just run, you know, two hours and you're doing like steady state work and, and you just come in there and you, and you can't drink while you're in there and you're trying to get proteins in and you're just cooking. You're just cooking in that sauna. It is absolute hell, but a lot better than what I experienced at Mammoth Bar. <laughs> mm, yeah, no, heard, heard there. I like sauna work. I don't. Usually I've never done like a heat protocol with a sauna. I've definitely done an emergent heat protocol on like an immersion tub and that sucks really bad. Yeah, it's, it's it not does. fun getting in, getting in the hot tub and like getting in like a hundred degree tub and just sitting there for 30 minutes is Ugh. like really not painful, but it's really painful. It's like, it's like, Ugh. it's like worse than it's worse than the, like, uh, it's worse than the all day meditation retreat that I did. You know what I mean? Yes. Like that, that 30 minutes, like I would rather, I would rather meditate for like 60 minutes, um, cross-legged, not being able to feel my legs or my feet because they've all gone numb from, from circulation than, uh, than that 30 or 40 minutes in, in an immersion tub. I do like, I like 20, 30, 20, 25 minutes in a sauna is like, it's like a sweet spot, but that's definitely like fun. Like after you do a workout, but like, you know, if you're really trying to do a, a, a solid heat protocol, you know, you can start at 25 minutes, but you definitely need to build into that, you know, 40 minute, 45 minute kind of session in order to really like, uh, you know, tap the system. So, um, yeah. You know, and I, and I do remember I, I was sending you some text messages because I was hearing from the grapevine that people were like, people were like 
not having a good day at, 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 at the hundred K. And I think I checked and made sure you were still on course. And I messaged you and I was just like, you got this brother. And you were just like, I know it was pretty late in the day. And I think it was just starting to cool off. I mean, I know it was probably starting to cool off at that point, but you were just like, I think I'm going to make it. <laughs> so <laughs> I was wondering what I said to you when you texted me, that meant a lot to me. That, yeah. that, that text gave me just that extra kind of pop to oh, get man. through, you know, like, the one climb out of Mammoth Bar was just sinister. People were like taking like one step, two steps, three step, lean in on the poles, one step, two step, sit on the ground. I mean, it was like brutal getting out of Mammoth Bar. And it's it's like you're at you're not at sea level. It's like three three thousand feet, but you feel like you're at fourteen thousand feet. You know, trying oh, trying dude. to trying to get up that. Totally. Uh, and, so I, and I and I did not execute my race plan that well. I think I was like. I was like nearly PRing my 50k on the first half, like which is a bad idea in 100k. Um, so I kind of I kind of put myself in the hole. But uh, fitness and some discipline and patience got me out of it. <laughs> well, there you go, man. Um, and then are you are you uh, are you self coach or do you have a coach? I was wor- I was working with CTS coaching for a little while. Yeah, N- Nicole Rasmussen out of uh, out of Utah. I worked with her for yeah, a good really solid cool. year. Yeah. yeah. No, that's what's up. Sometimes it's needed. I, I like the best I've ever done in my life is when I actually followed a training plan, you know, like yeah. it's, I do that now, but I remember, um, the first, I used to just like run on the, like, Oh, we're just going to do like 20 miles this week. And then I'm going to smash some vert and do a couple long runs on the yeah. weekend. And, yeah. you know, that was my training philosophy for a long time. And then I remember when I finally started doing like some sort of regimented training with built-in workouts and all that stuff. And I'm like, man i just got fit like yeah, i don't think dude. i've gotten quite back to that fitness you know but i got yeah. i mean when you when you bring structure into something and you've never had structure it's like oh my gosh the gains are amazing so oh it's so good i mean especially for me you know i mid my mid 40s like bringing strength training in and plyometrics mm-hmm. was yeah. like a total game changer and doing those on my hard workout days like on the speed work days and yeah. then my rest days were just really restful like 35 40 minute runs just chill you know come home take it easy it made a big difference in the the sort of cadence of my recovery and performance yeah i know i definitely agree with uh do your strength training like eight hours after you just you did your own workout you know i usually do the run workouts uh, first and then um you know try to give the body a little bit of a break or at least the there's like a hormone shift that happens and it takes about six hours for your body to kind of like flush through that. And then you can kind of get into, um, being, you're always going to gain strength by doing strength training, even if you did it like right after your workout, but it's a you get a little bit more of an adaptation. If you can give it like a six, six hour, six to eight hour window between your strengths, uh, your, your run workouts and your strength workouts. But I do agree, like, man, you do the strength on the hard days and then, you feel it that next morning when you wake up, you're like, yeah, I did something really hard, but then you spend, you know, you take it easy and you relax and then the body absorbs it. And then you, you can get right back to it like a day or two later. So. Absolutely. Well, you, you want to have durability and it keeps the injuries. Yep. Yeah, no, I, I can, I can attest to that. Like I, I didn't start doing, I've done a lot of PT work, like floor work, core work, glute work, um, for, for years now, um, just based on trying to recover from some of my, um, my, uh, hernia repairs that I've had and, and just kind of right. getting back to a good place from that. But then, you know, in the last like three years, I think 30, 39, 40, I really was like, I need two dedicated 
strength days. And yeah. um, I've been pretty religious about that. I've, I miss very few strength days now. And it's kind of like some, I mean, honestly, like I'd rather give up the run than miss the strength day. Um, though sometimes, you know, life gets in the way of doing all the things you want to do. Um, but yeah, that being said, I've tried to be very consistent over the last three or four years with, with including the strength and it's not, it's simple stuff, you know, I'm not doing anything crazy. I don't lift super heavy weights cause I just don't have access to it, but yeah. man, it helps the durability piece. It helps. So, Oh God, that's, that's all, that's all midlife. You got, you lose that muscle. You got to, you got to try to keep that stuff on you. Yeah. Yeah. And I'm also on the whole, like I, I put in like close to one gram of protein per pound of body weight. So I'm trying to eat like between 130 and 150 grams of protein a day. And it's, that's work. I mean, I feel like that's even more work than doing the strength train, dude. Like it's, it's kind of hard to, to make sure you're getting in good sources of protein. Um, when you try to get in that gram plus, uh, gram plus per pound, uh, ratio. So I'm totally with you on that one. Yeah, after a while, it gets kind of boring. Uh, I got to eat again. <laughs> yeah, you're like, I got to what? I need a protein snack. And you're like, what? You're like, you're like, what? They're like, what? Do you, my my, mom, my wife would be like, what are you doing? I'm like, oh, protein snack. It's like that's the second one of the day. I was like, yeah, yeah, I know. I mean, I'm, I know. I just uh, took 80 uh, grams of we, protein. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, well, yeah. Now I've got a couple, I got a couple of, sh- I do two shakes a day now and that's about how I, I manage it. And then three meals and the meals have like, try to make sure the meals have 20, 30 grams of protein. And then the shakes have 20, 30 grams. And then across the board, that gets me about there. So the way to do um, it, man. Yeah. It's it, the hard part is just remembering once you get into the habit, you do it, you know, and I think the other hard part is finding something that's like affordable. Cause when you're doing two shakes a day, you're like, you, you definitely want to make sure that you're just getting exactly what you need and you're not paying for the hype. So absolutely um, brother. So I want to dive in before we kind of round out our conversation. I definitely appreciate you carving out the time. I know you've got, um, I know you've got a client that you're going to, you're going to need to talk to here in, in, in about half an hour. So, mm-hmm. um, yeah, I want to, I want to talk about how you find balance because you've got two amazing kiddos. I've got to meet your kids. I've got to meet your wife. Um, you know, I think we actually ran into you, uh, my wife and I, she, my wife was like six months pregnant and we ran into to you and your lady and you guys were on like one of your first date nights in a long time. Yeah. Um, and we just happened to be going to the same uh, restaurant in Petaluma, but you know what, you know, you, you're obviously a busy guy, man. You run your own practice. Um, you know, you're helping people. You're always on that side, you know, you're always on the giving side. And so when it comes to finding that balance for, for your family and, and, and making sure that, that, that you're carving out time, you know, not just for your kids, but for yourself and for your wife. And then ultimately, um, you know, like we talked about training for training for training for life, but training for run training, it's, it can be very, um, compulsively obsessive. So, you know, what are some of the things, what are some of the actionable steps that, that you're doing, um, to, to really find that balance for yourself and for your family? Well, I think one of the things that I actually did is I, as I tapered back my practice a little bit, mm. um, and I, and for a while I was sort of in denial of like, Oh wow. Like my training is, is just as important as my practice. What, wow. Life is really interesting now. And I, I tapered back on my hard workout days, my speed work days. And I, and I also made sure that I had, I could get a long run in on a Friday and if I had a back-to-back, I would do like a you know somewhat shorter run on the Saturday mornings, and it protected my weekends with my family, mm. which something did. So I modified my schedule to work around the sport because I realized I kept trying to squeeze it in, 
and it just wasn't working for me or my family. And uh, I was getting pushback and complaint, and you know, uh, my partner was right. You know, something's got to change here, sweetie. And uh, that was the change I made. Yeah, and yeah, you're, yeah. you're. Go ahead. Yeah. The other thing was, was like, I just started training in the mornings. Got myself yeah. a good headlamp, and I'm on, I'm on trail. You know, five thirty. <laughs> yeah, I know that one. I was. My whole block, I was like getting up at five o'clock in the morning and trying to get out the door by like five forty-five, and that way I could get home by you know if I had a two-hour run, I was home before eight o'clock, and that's right. That's early enough to still be there, you know, and present. Um, and then you know, you're the second person to tell me in the last. Uh, I mean, I've recorded three podcasts, and like you're the second person in the last two recordings to say, you know, I kind of own my, I can own my schedule a little bit you know, yeah. and I'm going to give myself Friday to do my long run training. And that way, Oh, really? Yeah. And, and that way, um, you know, Matt Cheatham, I just, I just from the rambling runner, I just had him, I just recorded with him earlier today. And he was saying, he said the exact same thing. He's like, listen, I block out time on Friday while the kids are at school. That's when I do my yep. long run. And then yep. Saturday, if I'm get if I have to do a back to back, I get up early. Like I'm still get up at yep. five o'clock in the morning on Saturday. I'm getting in that back to back. And then I have the rest of Saturday and Sunday is my off day. And I make Sunday my off day intentionally because that's the time that I'm off. My wife's off and my kids are off and we prioritize us. And I'm like, oh, man, like, I don't know how, I don't know. Like, I feel like an idiot sometimes because I'm just like, oh no, it's, you you have Monday off and you run Tuesday through Friday and then you have Saturday and Sunday your long right. runs and back to back days. That's how it is. That's your schedule, That's right. you know. <laughs> uh, and um, it's just it's so refreshing to hear that from you, and then obviously to hear that from him. And like twice in one day, I'm hearing the exact same advice, and now I'm looking at myself going, "There's going to be some changes." Like I'm taking a long time off. I'm taking two weeks off of running, and then I'm, I don't. I'm not planning on doing another ultra until next year. But I definitely am like, yeah. I think there's going to be some major changes in how I and how I'm constructing yeah. my my calendar moving forward. So. I think so. It's it's owning it, and it makes a big difference. I mean, like I remember I'd go out and I'd be like running, you know, I'd do like a Lake Sonoma kind of like loop or something like that, or half a loop, and like on a Friday nobody's out there, you know, it's just me and the trail, just mm -hmm. cruising, man. It's like the best trail surfing, and then I'd come back Friday afternoon, I'd have time to fuel up, clean up the house, help out a little bit, and the kids get home, and you know, Papa's a little tired, but he's there. We were to hang out and chill on a Friday night, and and then Saturday morning runs. I get up, get back, and make the pancakes. That's like yep. my offer. Everybody's getting pancakes after Saturday morning run. <laughs> oh, that's awesome, dude. That's really, really, really cool. And uh, like I said, I I can't uh, I can't believe I had to hear. I mean, I'm obviously like it's just it's fate, and I don't like to say that a lot, but to hear it twice in <laughs> one day is kind of like, man, yeah. this is just like it's like slapping me in the face. Like, hey, bro, like, why don't you think about this? Yeah, man, one hundred percent. 100%. And I love that, you know, obviously it's like easy. I'm a workaholic. Uh, it's easy to work too much. And uh, mm -hmm. it's refreshing to hear you say, you know, I just took a step back from my practice for a minute. And like you can ebb and f And I think that the one thing that's important for in general for type A's to hear is like you can ebb and flow that work. Like your workload doesn't, it doesn't always have to be on, you know, you can pull it back a little bit and you can be, you know, okay with, um, you know, not, not like, whatever that potential is that you think you have to be doing, like you, you, you can stem that a little bit and you can say, I'm going to prioritize running and, and family right now. And then I'm going to get work. Work's going to not necessarily back burner, but I'm going to take from work in order to give to these other two things. And then, um, you know, vice versa, you know, when it's time to, 
if there's like some major goals and there's just some things you're trying to accomplish, it's like, oh, maybe, you know, maybe work makes, maybe, maybe it makes sense to pull back on running and, and -hmm. focus on work. And, you know, I think the consensus I've heard from most of my guests is like, you kind of have to just, the family thing has to be constant. It's like really hard to pull a whole lot from the family time, you know? Yeah. It's got, it's got to be there and you have to be in halfway decent shape when you're there too. Yeah. Yeah. No, 100%. Especially you've got two, gosh, how old are your kids right now? Nine and five. So I got a, yeah. a, a fourth grader and a kindergartner. So they're keeping you super busy, dad. Oh man. Yeah. Non, nonstop. Nonstop. Yeah. yeah and I taper up. back on training. I'm not going to do anything until at least the spring. Nothing I've committed to yet, but it's like, all right. So on this Friday, I'm, I'm going to actually see some more people. So I'm kind of like, that's that ebb and flow that you were talking about. Yeah. Try you're to able to drive. Yeah. Try, you, can, you can bring in some more patients or, you know, you can also add to your social life too and, and kind of open up the social calendar and not just be, oh, you know, yeah. not I'm just have like that. your only human engagement be your patients and like whoever you end up running with on the, during the week or, or if you get out on the weekend, you know, so. Yeah. Amen to that. Well, I got, yeah, some man. Good, I got some good beers here in Sonoma County. I'm finding some reasons to get to a brewery a little there more than I did before. That's for sure. Well, I live, I live in the land of, I live in, in, in Brewtown, USA right now, man. The they used uh, North Carolina is like hopping bro with amazing breweries doing. Pun not intended. <laughs> rid- yeah. If pun intended with yeah. re- doing ridiculous things. Like I just, the, the quality of the beer scene over here is, is second to none, man. Um, I'm actually going to like, I'm going to, I got to get back on the wine train or at least, uh, just, I, I need to stop drinking, uh, let's just say 200 to 250 calorie pints on a regular <laughs> basis. So, uh-huh. yeah. uh, you know, I mean, you can cut those the, NA beers. I mean, those are great. There's some really good, they're good. beers out there, man. They're pretty, pretty tasty. Yeah, yeah. The, uh, I'm, um, I was a fan of athletic for a while and I, I got it. I got hooked on, um, Oh, was it day free trail? Turn me on, uh, turn me on to it. What it, man, why, man, my brain is blanking. Uh, daybreak. No, I might be, uh, I think I made it daybreak. I think I've I think it maybe maybe it's daybreak. I don't know, man. I'm I'm like feel like an idiot right now, but my brain is well, kind of mashed potatoes. But well, you've been they have really good NAs, and the NA game is is on point. You're right, and I can, you know, try to get into that habit of like NAs during the week, and then you know indulge on the weekend. And I was in a good I was in a good place with that for a long time. So yeah, that um, is a good pattern. Yeah, man. So before I let you go, um, I have some rapid fire questions. Um, but, but, uh, yeah, and we're going to get into it. So, um, but as far as races go, you said you don't have anything for the spring. Are you you doing, are you going to do big Alta? I don't know if I'm going to do big Alta. Like I, I kind of want to do Wonderland or Timberline up in the Northwest. Okay. Okay. Well, it's in February. It's in February. Yeah. So it's not racing it. I'm going to volunteer at it. I was going to tell you, I was going to say, you should just volunteer because I'm, I'm planning. I already told the wife, I'm like, listen, we're all going back to California in February. It's going to happen. I'm like, say, we're say we're going to start the process of saving right now. Uh, we're going to try to do it. So my, my goal is to, is to run the big Alta. Um, and I would love, I would love to see you at an aid station, uh, during the big Alta, my friends. Oh yeah, dude, I would love to be there. And it'd be hard for me not to run February, Running in Marin County is primo, man. It's so good. It, it doesn't suck. That's for sure. It doesn't uh, suck. Yeah. So 
A couple of rapid fire questions. And I, I say, this, this is like the things I say to all the audience, all the, sure. all, all the audience, excuse me, all, all the guests that come on the pod and I probably should update them at some point, but um, <laughs> it's, you know, some of this is also a little recon for myself. And I'm, I'm the, the first one is definitely um, an unofficial survey that I'm taking in, in, in the trail running and ultra running community. Um, so uh, born to run or ultra marathon, man. Ooh, ultra marathon, man. Okay, cool. You're one of the first out of 15 guests to actually say ultramarathon. There's been a couple bolts. There's been a couple bolts, but like uh-huh. the consensus so far has definitely been uh, been born to run. Um, so that's cool, man. Yeah, I mean Dean's book is great, and uh, the work it's that he does for the community is 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 exceptional. So he is he's exceptional. Plus, I'm just kind of reacting to ultra adding four millimeters to their uh, to their shoes. <laughs> <laughs> oh man, that's a whole nother topic of conversation. I bet it is. I bet it is. <laughs> uh, okay, so next up, um, what's your what's your favorite food post race day? Post race, what's your favorite what's your favorite thing to eat post race if your stomach's not in knots? Oh, dude, it's it's got to be pizza, man. Come on, pizza. It's always, it's always pizza. Yeah, join the club, yeah. man. I'm I'm a fan. I'm a pizza. I'm a fan of yeah, a big, dude. large pizza with all the things on it, and oh, like yeah, no one me. gets a slice of my after after a after a big ultra. Like no one gets a slice of my pizza, man. People yeah, are dude. like, "What's up? You going to share that?" I'm like, "No, definitely Hell not." No, protect with your life. Yeah, they're like, "Did you just order an extra large?" I'm like, "Yeah, I did." You're going to yes, eat that? Sir. I'm like, "Yes, I am, 100." Yes, so, uh, what's your favorite distance to race? Oh. uh I'd say 50 K is fine. I like the 50 K. Yeah. yeah. Yes. I, I like the, I like the drive there, run it, drive home and wake up and be able to walk the next day too. Yes. Uh, so, um, yeah, I love the 50 mile distance. It's kind of a dying distance now because, um, yeah, I don't know the hundred K it's either a 50 K or hundred K or hundred miler. Now I feel like the That's 50 right. miler is kind of a, a dying breed in our sport, but I do love the 50 miler. I think you're right. Well, distance. the Lake Sonoma is a nice um, it is. It's a classic too. And if anyone hasn't raced that, put that on the calendar. It's definitely worth uh, visiting wine country and uh, experiencing that route. Uh, nothing like a lake lap, you know, so nothing like a lake lap. So um, a couple of free trail questions. I know you remember the free trail community and we see, I see you on there from time to time. Um, what's your favorite, uh, what's your free, what's your favorite free trail pro channel on Slack? Ooh adventures yeah that's a, <clears throat> that's kind of it's it's between races and adventures right now and i think yeah. it's so cool to see what the community is doing oh, and dude. i think so the good. racing channel is cool and there's a lot of hype that goes on the racing channel but like people will just casually drop these like mind-bending photographs of this place you've never ever yeah. ever heard of and you're like i have a note like i literally have a note on my phone and i just like copy and paste and put it in the note and it's like my ongoing bucket list of places I probably will never get to, but at least I have it listed somewhere in case I need, you know, in, in case I get an opportunity, I can, I can like plan a vacation, you know? So yeah, yeah. Man, that's a good one. Um, do you, do you, do you know of, or use any of the free trail, uh, custom emojis that we have on Slack? Uh, I, I think I just use the, the standard free trail emoji. Uh, yeah. The, the, feel, the logo. He'll move okay. by the logo one. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I just figured I'd ask some people don't even know that you can use custom emojis and we have like so many. Um, yeah. Anyway. Um, cool. Yeah. I'll the free, and the, I say what I'll experiment with some more. 
Oh, they're fun, dude. The, my favorite is the LFG, and it like flashes multiple colors. Ooh, you know, that's so like let's let's like freaking that. go, you know. And then uh-huh. the the free trail emoji is really great because it's just the logo, and so you can just like put the logo in fam or er or er apostrophe s and like you can just like use that as a way to like say free trail without having to type it out so anyway i kind of yeah i geek out on slack so i like Um, that yeah matt i mean sorry michael um yeah man i appreciate you coming on brother and uh we may we may have to do a little bit of a round two and, and really unpack uh uh i don't you know some of uh some of the the mental stuff that 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 people can do to really help themselves uh you know when they're deep in the pain cave but um you know i want to give you the last word is there anything uh you want to discuss on the pod or uh, words of wisdom you wisdom you want to impart on the audience before we let you go brother no i i think we covered most of it i think just just being with what really is with what really is going on isn't something to be afraid of you know, it's like, it's sort of, I think, you know, Coop was talking about in terms of like the adapt, like analyzing what's really happening in a situation. The idea is like, if you can really accept what, where you are and what's going on, then you can make changes in the situation. I, I always find that to be underrated is just to be with reality. Let reality be your friend. And a lot of things can change for you. I mean, well said. Uh, if people wanted to reach out to you, um, you know, obviously if they're, if they're looking, I don't know if you're, it sounds like you may or may not be taking new patients, but we'll, you know, we'll link to all this in the show notes, but, uh, you know, if you want to list out your social handles and then also, um, you know, website where people can contact you from a professional standpoint. Yeah, I have a, a great URL, uh, San Francisco therapy.com. Uh, and how and much did other- that cost you? I got it. I got it like ten years ago, and it wasn't that wow. bad price wise. I stole wow. it. I was like, "Dude, I'm jumping on this one." Uh, nice. That one, and then um, my Instagram handle is Trail Psyche, P S Y C A. Awesome. Yeah, and we'll link to all that in the show notes. And you know, Michael, man, thanks for coming on. Thanks for 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 bringing some wisdom to the table. Thanks for letting me banter with you. And, and, uh, you know, it's like one of those situations where, you know, when you get someone who is, uh, you, you make me smarter brother, let's just say that I feel like, uh, you know, when you get in the room with someone who really knows their stuff, you, it, it rubs off on you. And so I feel like you, you, you made me, you made, you made me sound a lot cooler than I am on the pod, man. So I appreciate that. Well, I think it goes both ways. I mean, I remember our, our run specifically at Alan Polly. And yeah. you were, I was sort of wrestling with my sort of identity in the free trail community. And you, you sort of helped me, you helped draw me out a little bit with it and get more comfortable because I tend to be private as a therapist. Um, and I'm like, well, maybe I don't have to be so damn private in this channel. And I share yeah. a lot. So I appreciate yeah, and I told you too, I was, I was like, if you put, I think if you put yourself out there, you'll be surprised with the results. I think that was kind yeah. of, uh a lot of what our conversation was about. And like, you know, after that, it's like you went on to, to do some amazing things with Tim. And I know that since then, you know, your practice has really broadened into the trail running community. And I think that's yes. just, you know, it's really cool. And I, I applaud, uh, you know, something we've done a lot on the pod is talk about life design with certain individuals and certain guests. And I, you know, I, I, I applaud you brother for being able to say, take something that you're super, take two things that you're super passionate about, and kind of bring them together and create something that can make that, that can just continue to drive the stoke for you, man. So that's right, man. It's my pleasure. My friend, I like spending awesome. some time with you. I hope, I hope we can get the trails and run, run soon. Yeah. I'll, I'll let you know Alta, if I, if, at, the, at least at an aid station in Alta. I, 
Exactly. If I don't see you at Alta, and like I said, if you're ever on the East Coast, man, for any reason you you were in the Carolinas, you you reach out, brother. We I've got some places to show you. So, oh, I can't wait, man. Yeah, man. As technical as you can find. Yeah, dude, it's the Beast Coast for sure. Uh, yep. Again, thanks, Mike. I'll let you get to it, and uh, appreciate right, you man. being on, brother. Thank you. My pleasure. Ciao. All right. Well, if you're still here, thanks for sticking around to the end. Uh, a few things and a couple call to actions. If you could uh, do any of these things, it would be a big help for us. So first, follow us on Instagram at the Midpacker Pod. And if you if you like this episode, do me a favor, take a screenshot of this episode from your podcast feed on your podcast player and upload it to your stories on Instagram, tag the Midpacker Pod, leave a comment on the post about how amazing you think the pod is. We'll share it on our IG. It'll really help to spread the word about the podcast and grow our audience. And it'd be really appreciated. If you, if you value the content, you know, you can help us out that way. Uh, if you like the show and you haven't already, please consider giving us a rating and review on whatever platform you are listening on. It really does help uh, increase our searchability on the algorithm. It puts us in front of uh, other people that like trail and ultra running. And so, um, you know, these are two things that you can do to, to really help spread the word about the pod. You know, if you value the content, um, I definitely value each and every one of you that listen every single week. Uh, and, and yeah, I am just super, super grateful. Um, also if you're interested in supporting any of our sponsors, you can find links and codes in the show notes. I'm super stoked to bring this content to you all every single week. And, and as always, thank you for your support and we'll see you next time on the Midpacker pod. Mm-hmm.